Do you know today is the last day of the year? I mean, uh, Ben, you know, this is the last Sunday of 2023. <laughs> Where did time go? I think that time just... Billy Graham said, if you live to be 70, your first 15 years is childhood or adolescent. You spend 20 years in bed already, that's 35 years. <laughs> the last five years of your life is filled with limitation. That brings you to 40 years. That means you only have 30 years left. In that time, you're eating, working, and filling your life with entertainment. Time is collapsing on us. That's what Billy Graham said. Wow, you know, when the psalmist says in Psalms 38, verse 4 to 5, he says this, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere hand breath, which is the, the top of your pinky to the top of your thumb. The span of my years is nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. God wants to impress on our hearts and mind the brevity of life and the length of eternity. And so it's not surprising that the scriptures repeatedly present powerful pictures that speak of our brief season of opportunity on earth using metaphors such as breath, a swift ship, an eagle's dive, a shadow, a hand's breath, smoke, vapor, grass, flower of the field, a weaver's shuttle. Oh my. In light of this sobering truth, we have not a moment to waste. I have titled this morning's message, Making the Most of Every Opportunity. Our text this morning will be in 2 Kings chapter 20. Let's pray. Lord, we understand how time is fleeting. We understand our time here on earth, Lord. And now that we belong to you, Lord, we know how important it is to live for your glory and to be about your purposes, be about your will. So in that, Lord, teach us to number our days, Lord. Help us, Lord, to make every opportunity of our time here on this earth Thank you for this word this morning. We pray that you would speak to us now through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Kings chapter 20, there are a few great men in the Bible I love to read about. Hezekiah is one of them. And here he is in chapter 20, verse 1. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. These words are some of the most shocking words one could ever hear. Going to die. Not everyone gets a fair warning. No one. Usually it's suddenly. Sudden. We have friends in our congregation that have been diagnosed with cancer or some other sickness that if God doesn't intervene, they won't see 2025. I want to pray for them right now. Lord Jesus, 
I believe in miracles. I pray for a miracle for them. There's many in our fellowship, Lord, and many friends of mine, Lord, that if you don't show up now, Lord, they're not going to survive 2024. So we pray for a miracle, Lord. Not because heaven's not the best place to be, Lord, but for their family's sake, their children, their grandchildren, their wives and hu- or husbands, Lord. And we just pray that you would intervene and give them a little more time, Lord. Just like in our message this morning, intervene, our great God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The prophet Isaiah comes up to Hezekiah and says, that's it, your time's up. You're going to die, so put your house in order. What a, <laughs> I don't know about you, but those are the most, there's, those are the most scariest words that you could ever hear. This year in March, I went to do my physical, and uh, they said, oh, everything sounds good. And I'm like, how can it sound good? I'm overweight. You know, anyway, they don't want to tell you you're overweight anymore. But anyways, so I said, well, I was in an amusement park, and I was walking very briskly with my family. My heart did something strange. And they go, well, let's check into it. And so they did all these tests, and they found out that my arteries were plugged around my heart in this area here. And so they just couldn't put a stent. They had to open it up and do a bypass. And so they give you the percentage of death, you know, which is very small. And I know there are some of you that have to go to this. You'll make it. <laughs> but but uh, they, they, they give you the percentage, but so you, you, you have to count the costs. You, in your mind, you're, you're thinking, yes, if I, if I die, I'll be in eternity, which is, for me, I, I'm a Bible teacher and I know about heaven, so it's glorious to me to think about heaven. But on the other hand, my daughter's seven years old and, and she's quite young and may not understand it all. So I was, I was praying. So I was caught, like Paul says, in, in a hard place, you know, wanting to be in heaven with Christ or be on earth for her sake, you know. And, and so I was just wrestling there and, and, um, and I was just asking the Lord, you know, did I do enough in my life? And I started thinking about time. You know, here I am in my 50s now and uh, where's, where did time go? Time's like a vapor. When I was 20-nothing-year-old kid, I thought, man, life is so slow. Bring it on, you know? And I remember getting in my 30s and saying, slow down, slow down, you know? And now in my 50s, oh my goodness, my 50s, like, just, and I'm like, man, where did time go? And have I done enough for the kingdom of God? Have I lived for Christ? Have I wasted my life? And I'm sitting there, you know, taking inventory and evaluating my life. And I think we ought to all do that, right? 2023 has gone by. So I think we should do that. But here I am in the operating, you know, table and thinking about this. And even up to the time when they're wheeling me into surgery, I'm, I'm just, I'm considering my life before the Lord. Will I, when I close my eyes, Lord, will I wake up in eternity or will I wake up with more time. And I remember waking up and, you know, and I could see the, the lights there in, in the hospital. I'm like, oh God, you gave me more time. And the doctor comes up and says, I've added 20 more years to your life. And I'm like, 20 years? You know? <laughs> and, 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 I, and, you know, and I thought what Billy Graham said, you know, that the last five years are filled with limitation. And I thought, well, that only gives me 15 years. 
15 years, the same as Hezekiah. What will I do with those 15 years? I remember coming out of surgery and the reason why I wanted it done right away is because I wanted to go to Israel. We had a trip planned. You guys remember that? And the doctor said, well, we can't do it for 30 days. And I said, well, make it extend to 45 days. And they go, why? And I go, because I'm going to go to Israel. And when I come back, you can do the heart surgery. They're like, no, 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 no. We want to do it now. And I'm like, okay, we'll do it now because then I have six weeks to get ready. And so I had a goal. So as soon as they were done, I felt so good. And I wanted to get up and walk and, and just do my thing. I was off the medication third, on the third day. And it was just a miracle of God. And I, I was energized because I had a goal. I wanted to go to Israel. Then five weeks later after the surgery, it was time to go to Israel. And I felt great. I'd been walking three miles a day. And just I didn't know you're going to walk five to seven miles a day in Israel. But, you know... I, Man, my, I said, why, I told my wife, I'm done. I'm not, on the third day, I said, I'm staying home. You go. And she goes, Bon, every one of us feel the same way. I go, okay, that's great. I'll go then. You know, because if everybody's going to limp like me, that's great. You know, but I was like, 15 more years. Hezekiah, given 15 years to live. There was a Swedish chemist by the name of Alfred Noble. He awoke one morning and read his own obituary in the local newspaper. It read, Alfred Noble, the inventor of dynamite, who died yesterday, devised the way for more people to be killed in a war than ever before, and he died a very rich man. <laughs> you know? But it was Alfred's older brother who had died. A newspaper reporter had bungled the epitaph. But that account had tremendous impact on Alfred Noble, who decided he wanted to be remembered for something different. As a result, he initiated the Nobel Prize to reward individuals who foster peace. He said every man ought to have a chance to correct his epitaph in the midstream and write a new one. Maybe for some of us, it's time to change that epitaph. Amen? Let's look at the life of Hezekiah. Let's back up to chapter 18 of 2 Kings because it speaks a lot about him there. Verse 5, it says this, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. This amazing man of God is a man to be admired. It says that no one was like him before him. That would include King David, a man after God's own heart. And then it says there was no one like him after him. That would include the reformer Josiah, his great-great-grandson. That's amazing. Puts Hezekiah in a place that we never even noticed. This man of God who loved God with all his heart, might, and soul. It says there in verse 6, he held fast to the Lord. It did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands and the Lord, that the Lord had given Moses. And so we see his life. He was this godly man. He, he lived the commands out, which is, by the way, in Deuteronomy, it was the do works. You know, if you do good, then you'll be blessed. You'll have a long life. And so uh, and, and for the Christians today, it's you believe, you receive. It's different structure. So there they had to do. 
worth, but he did it. I'm often amazed by these men of God who do it right, right? Because I often think that, man, I'm a man of God. I live for God. I love his word. And, and I find myself short. I find myself wrestling and, and, and fighting with this flesh and not always doing what's right. Uh, yesterday we were coming home from our trip from Mexico and, um, and we went in and out burger and, and this lady had messed up our order. And so we had to wait and, you know, in, in, a, in a long line of people who are getting their messed up orders, right? And so, so I'm in there and, and so I'm, I back out of the car and I'm coming and, I, and she's taking orders in the, in the street from other car. I go, oh, here's my revenge time. I'm going to drive by and honk my horn right and I get in front of her just because, you know? And so, so I go right around the corner, I'm like, honk! And she's like, ah! you know? And, and my, wife, my wife's hiding her face because my wife's not like that. I'm the, I'm the guy, you know? My wife's angel. But my, me, and, and, and then she looks over me and she says, Bon, do you ever think about the things you do before the, the Lord? <laughs> Do you ever think about that godly man or those godly people that speak about, they speak of in the Bible? I go, yeah, all the time. I think about them all the time, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> I go, I got a lot of flesh that I'm dealing with every day of my life. And every day I'm repenting, every hour I'm asking God to forgive me. You should see the things I don't do, hon, <laughs> that run through my mind, you know? <laughs> I want to be that godly man. I want to live for the Lord. And I, and, and I ought not to excuse myself from it. But I should prepare my heart to be more like Christ. And so every day I'm doing that. And I know that it's going to be a struggle because of our flesh. But one day in glory when we're face to face with our Lord, it'll finally be done. We'll be perfected. We'll be in the image of Christ fully 100%. But here's Hezekiah, this godly man who has this amazing life. In verse 5 there it says this, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. In verse 7 it says the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From the watchtower to the fortified city, he defeated the Philistine as far as Gaza in its territory. And so there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, this amazing man of God. In chapter one, uh, chapter 20, verse 1, it reads this, in those days. In what days is he speaking about? The writer of Second King is speaking about the great invasion of the Syrian might. The military had come upon Jerusalem and surrounded it. Sennacherib, the general, the king. And then they said, there has been no God that has stopped us from conquering all the other nations. What makes you think that your God is going to deliver you from our hands, the letter said. They don't know the God of Yahweh. <laughs> so Hezekiah takes the letter and he calls in Isaiah and they lay it down on the floor and they begin to pray. And they ask God for divine intervention. You remember the story as they begin to pray, God says, I'm going to deliver you. 
Hezekiah and sends an angel who destroys 185,000 men in one night. But it was in this time that Hezekiah was sick. So he had Sennacherib surrounding him and now he's deathly ill and here comes Isaiah and says, you're going to die. You talk about when it rains, it pours. Set your house in order for all that you, for you shall die and not live. God was remarkably kind to Hezekiah telling him that his death was near. Not all people are given the time to set your house in order. When we compare 2 Kings 18.2 with 2 Kings 26, Hezekiah is 39 years old. Life is short, but at 39, 39 years of age. In America, the CDC says that the average life expectancy is 76.4 years old. For males, it's 73.5. For females, it's 79.3. The reason why it's much shorter for men is because we do dumb things. <laughs> I was at my mom's house, and I was on this 22-foot ladder cutting the tree, and my wife looks out the window and says, what are you doing? You big bear, get down from there. You know, and I'm like, you know, and I'm like that's why we die early and the average goes down. Time is short. Time is a strange commodity. We can't save it, retrieve it, relieve it, stretch it, borrow it, loan it, stop it, or store it. We can only use it or lose it. Each tick of time brings us closer to the day when we shall stand before our Lord and give an account of our usage of time that he's given to us. What are you doing with the time that God has given you? Someone put it this way, when I was a child, I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. <laughs> and later as I grew older, time flew. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Soon I shall find while traveling on, time is no more. Verse 2 says this, Hezekiah turned, to it, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. If you ever read about his life, that's one of the things you're going to bring out of the story is that this man would pray. He was a prayer warrior. He brought everything before the Lord. And there are things in our life we have no control over. And that's what we do. We come before him and we pray. We communicate. That's simply prayer. Communicating to our God who we have a relationship with. He prayed. He prayed to the Lord. He said, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He was undone. He knew within a day or maybe hours, his life was done. How would you feel? How would you respond? When I consider life, I think of the fragility of it. I think of the brevity of it. At the end of the 
Every year I like to take an evaluation of my life, an inventory. What have I accomplished? What I want to do in the next year, what I don't want to do. This year alone, after my heart surgery, surgery, I traveled six countries. Six countries. Shared the gospel in every one of those countries. That's the Lord's doing. I don't want to waste my life, especially now. I gave my life to Jesus at 25. I lived a rebellious life up until 25. And then from 25 on, I've never looked back. But why mess it up now? (laughs) Now that I'm getting closer to the end, I don't want to waste my life. I want to draw nearer to him than ever before. I want to worship him more than ever. I want to be devoted as Hezekiah, wholehearted devotion. I want to live for him. More than ever, in these latter years, I want to seek him with my whole heart. And if he wants to take me around the world again, I'll do it. I don't want to waste my life. There are 52 weeks, 365 days, 8,760 hours, and 525,600 minutes in each year. We cannot hoard it up, buy, borrow, or beg for more. And the most solemn thing about time is that we must give an account to God as to how we used it. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, has been called the Bible's key to time management. It says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The New King James Version says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time goes far beyond being efficient. It's wonderful phrase that can also be translated as making the most of every opportunity. I listed three points to consider. It's not an exhaustive list, but these are three important areas to consider in making the most of every opportunity. Here they are. Seek God's will, seek God's will in the present and now. Pursue what has eternal value. Avoid what isn't worth our time. Seek God's will in the present. Number one, the past is gone. and The future hasn't happened yet. So we shouldn't waste our limited time dwelling on the past or worrying about the future. Instead, we can focus on the present, where God's presence is with us right now and where we can connect with God to understand what the will of the Lord is. There are common practices that every believer should be doing. Every believer should be doing these things. And I'll read it again after I read it once so you can get it. Everybody should be reading your Bible, praying, going to church, serving the Lord in some function, giving financially, avoid sin, do good, love your neighbors, and love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. These are the the basic principles of the Christian faith. Read your Bible, prayer, go to church, serve in the Lord, give financially, avoid sin, 
do good, love your neighbor, and love God with all your heart, might, and soul. That's, that's the basics for the Christian life, but then there's more, come, you know, when there's, when you think of the gifts that are given there in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, there's these gifts. There's about 19 gifts that you can pull out of there. If you go to book of Acts in chapter 2, there might be a few more there. So that would bring it up to 22 gifts. If you're thinking of eunuch being separated for the Lord and not being married, then that would be 23 gifts. But think about the, some powerful gifts. I, you know, Early on in my life, I had the gift of evangelism. The, I used that gift day and night. Day and night, I just kept thinking, how can I reach America? I lived in San Diego, so I, I wanted to create concerts for the high schoolers and the young adults. And, 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 so, and then God would open doors for me. I, I prayed day and night for evangelism. I would you know, ask churches to get involved in, in putting on crusades, and we would have these huge crusades. I would ask my neighbors to bring all their stuff that could be used again and take it down into Mexico. And, and, and uh, I've had a huge trailer and put it all in there and we would use it as a platform to share the gospel. I just thought of evangelism all the time, day and night. We'd go to Canada in a, in a motorhome and park it and go share in all you know, Canada there in Kelowna and the university town there. And we, we, we just, it was just was a burden if you have the gift of helps that that's God has given to you, you're thinking as soon as someone has need, you're like, how can I help? How can I help? And these are the gifts that we use for one another. I'm a pastor teacher now. I don't know how it switched from evangelism to pastor teacher. But day and night I think of how I can disciple believers all over the world so they can affect their world, their, their country for the gospel's sake. Day and night I want to travel to Russia. I want to travel to, right now there's a big work going in Iran, not in Iran, but the Iranian pastors that are getting saved, Iranian people that are getting saved, they're coming to a side country and they're being discipled by all these Calvary Chapel pastors. I want to go. These, this, this is how the gift works. What gift, that you, what gift has God given you? Every one of you have a gift that you need to perfect. So that goes beyond just the basics. The basics is what we should be doing, but the gifts causes you to do even more for the kingdom of God. And so we don't rest. We, we move forward for the kingdom of God. Number two, pursue what has eternal value. Every day we can commit to using our time for what matters most, from an eternal perspective rather than wasting it on activities that don't ultimately matter. Listen, the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. You don't have to watch every game. All right, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will guide us towards what would be best to focus on each day. When we're, re when we're considering whether or not to spend time on something, we can consider if it will help us focus on what Jesus says matters most. Loving God and loving other people. Pursue what has eternal value. There are things that I waste my life on incredibly. Just, I think of, I do a lot already, but I, you know, this is my perception of me. 
when God looks at it, he probably says, you need to do nothing. You know, but, you know, and I look at it, I do a lot, but then I waste a lot. I waste a lot of time still. I'm like, man, Lord, help me to put an eternal value on everything I do. Number three, avoid what is worth, uh, avoid what isn't worth our time. There's a lot of that, huh? How many, how many of you that turn on that one-eyed God called the TV? <laughs> you just cry to it and you laugh at it and you worship, I mean, uh, you uh, channel, change the channel. To, how many hours are spent there? Instead of praying or learning more about God's word. Just, we should carefully evaluate activities before choosing to spend time on them. Considering questions such as, will this move me closer to God or farther away? Is this really important from an eternal perspective? And what purpose will I help achieve by doing this? What purpose will I help achieve by doing this? It can be helpful to regularly take an honest look at our schedule and ask God to show us what changes to make. Isn't that true? God, help us. We get in this rut, and it, 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 you know, the psychologists talk about it all the time. We get in a rut. We're, you know, we read our Bible, walk our dog. Oh, well, <laughs> it's an inside joke. You know, we we do our we do our little rut, you know, and, and we stay there. And God's saying, hey, to move out of the rut is going to take a supernatural work of my power. And he does it. All of a sudden, you just, your needle comes right out of the rut. You're like, oh, you're doing something pretty amazing. Like maybe going to a mission trip. <laughs> Keep in mind that God wants us to enjoy life, but not waste time on worthless pursuits. So we don't need to avoid spending time, I'm, I'm sorry, we don't need to avoid spending time on fun activities. We simply need to be disciplined about centering our schedule around our relationship with God. When we pray for discernment, we can make the best decision about how to use our time. I'm in this boat, guys. I'm in this boat all the way. I mean, you know, I want to use my time for the glory of God. And, and I'm always asking the Lord, teach me how to sacrifice my self-centered, selfish life for the kingdom of God. I'm so selfish. You know, you know how I learn more about my selfishness is when I'm, in, when I'm traveling. And I see huge lines. I'm thinking, how can I cut? How can I get in front of that guy? How can I... You know, I'm... Oh, my goodness. You know, we came in from Mexico on the... Um, on a flight to uh, San Francisco, and and we were hearing the news, and it was saying this is the most traveled day of uh, the, the one day you don't want to travel is this day because it's the most that's traveled on, and um, and so we we get off the international flight and we come through the doors and there's this lady directing us this way this way and I go well I've never seen that lady do that before in San Francisco, and we get out and there's a line that goes forever to get out uh, of the international into America. And I'm looking at it going, no way. <laughs> and then my wife said, hey, is that, is this include all the global, you know, if you have the proper ID, you get to go the shortcut. And she goes, no, if you have that card, you just go in that line. There's nobody in that line. 
And I go, hold on, hon, I just want to kiss you right now, and I want to kiss you all the way to the gate. And all the way, she goes, don't mind kissing me, just buy me an In-N-Out burger when we get up. That's what got me in trouble, the In-N-Out burger. So. <laughs> so selfish, though, man. I looked at that line and thought, I'm going to die. I'm like, you can't get me in that line. I'm going to be the rudest guy trying to muscle myself in there, you know. And I'm like, Lord, change my heart. Change my thinking. Change my behavior. Don't let me waste my life. Hezekiah says this in verse 4. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God, your father, David, says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. 15 years. That's what I feel like God has given to me. 15 years. Billy Graham says the last five years, (laughs) futile. (laughs) I want to do it right. I wonder what Hezekiah thought. 15 years. I want to go out in a blaze of glory. I want to live for the Lord. He's already done it right. I mean, this guy has an amazing life. 15 years has been extended to him. If God told you when you were going to die, what would you do? Would you become selfish and self-centered or would you give up your life for others? He goes on to say in verse 6 and in the middle, I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Syria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare it, a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now. Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go back ten steps? It is a simple matter for the shadow to follow the sun to forward ten steps, said Hezekiah, rather have it go back ten steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called to the Lord and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps. It had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Out the window he could see the steps. And on these steps he saw the the shadow rising. Isaiah said, what kind of miracle do you want to see? Do you want to see God perform this or that? And he says, cause the, the shadow to go backwards. I don't know how God did it. Most people want to say that God stopped the earth and reversed the time and caused the sun to go back. And You know, I, I, I don't know. But, the, the, you know, the problem, the issue is simply Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. He can do anything. Cause a shadow to go up the stairs and down the stairs? That's nothing. <laughs> but a miracle, indeed. Hezekiah saw that miracle, and I'm telling you, he rejoiced. He saw the angel come out and fight for Israel killed 185,000 men in one night and he saw the healing 
take place. Those are three major healings. Or miracles, I should say. Amazing. I don't know about you. I want to see miracles this year. In the new year, I should say. I want to see more. You know the greatest miracle for me is to see people give their lives to Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because they have a free will choice. God can cause limbs to grow. The free will has to have someone say yes or no. So when someone says yes, I'm like, that's a miracle. The day that my brother gave his life to Jesus, that was like the greatest miracle on planet Earth. That guy was stubborn. He was a knucklehead and everything that you can think of. He was, that was him. He knew it all. He'd argue everything. And one day he falls on his face and surrenders to Jesus. That's the greatest miracle to me. When people give their lives to Jesus. Even though the other miracles are not bad. <laughs> James chapter 4 verse 14 says this. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Billy Graham says this. We have great technology to save time, but we have less time than ever. We have invented all these things to save time, and we have less time than ever before. All human is given the exact same number of hours and minutes every day. It's interesting that rich people cannot buy more hours. Scientists cannot invent new minutes. Time is collapsing on us. How much time do we have in this life? A man may regain loss, health, wealth, friends, but never time. Oh, how we ought, how, how we ought to redeem what remains. For what, remain, what, for what remains is uncertain. As we look to the new year, as we close out this year, I think of the inventory. What did I do for the kingdom of God this year? And if I haven't done anything, then Lord, help me to do something in 2024. Amen? Amen. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of God's work in 2024. And whatever that is, there's this really neat thing that's happening in Israel. When we went there, Pastor Ross, according to God's purpose, met this guy named Jeff Morgan. Jeff Morgan is a Masonic Jew. He does these little uh, clips where he's preaching the gospel to Jews, and, and you know, and he gets down to giving them the gospel, and they get saved, and he, hundreds of thousands of people are watching his clips, and he's really well known, and he ran into uh, you know, Pastor Ross, and, and they fell in love with each other. You know, they just, they, caught, they communicate all the time, and so much so that Jeff Morgan said, I want to become a Calvary Chapel, the rock pastor here in Tel Aviv. Yeah, that's a wow. When I think of Revelation, there's 144,000 that are going to come out and do some amazing things for the kingdom of God, right? Well, someone has to influence them. What if it's us? <laughs> I want to be a part of that. I want to go there and disciple him. He's going to come here. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the work that reaches Mexico, that reaches Nepal and India, Africa. I want to be a part of that. And I want to be a part of the great work here in America that's left.
Amen? I pray that God would use you mightily in 2024. Let's pray. Lord, we look at time and we see that it is fleeting indeed. We don't want to waste our time. We want to live for you. We want to do it right, Lord. Our spirit is so willing, Lord. We long to live for you. We long to do it right. We, we want to obey you. But our flesh is so devastating to us. It's so weak. Will you strengthen us for the new year, Lord? Even today, Lord, as we end 2023, even into the night, that something amazing would take place in our thoughts and in our hearts and in our very soul. A change. A delight in your work. Something that would move us to do something. Whether it's praying or whether it's teaching or or living out all those beautiful gifts that the Holy Spirit gives there, 1 Corinthians 12. We want to be used as an instrument of your hand for your glory. We give it to you, Lord, and say, here we are. Here's our hands. They're open. Put in what you want and take out what you want. It's yours. But use us. Let us be affected, Lord, that when we leave these doors, we're changed. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.